0: Three.
1: Good morning. It is Money Talk, uh, 21 minutes to nine o'clock. This is James Ross uh, with you tell nine. And in your money today, uh, Carolyn Wright is really talking your money uh, with a discussion on the importance of making financial planning personal. Uh, good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In your money today, I'm joined by Stephanie Yuan, Managing Director and Head of Hong Kong at Endowus, to talk on setting and keeping to your personal finance goals. Thank you for joining me,
0: Stephanie. Thank you, Carolyn.
1: So let's kick off with a look at why money goals in life should be personal to yourself rather than what everybody else is doing.
0: That's actually quite a good question. And it also took me a while to arrive to this answer that, in fact, there is none of this concept of the best investment for everyone. There's only this concept of the most suitable investment based on your objectives, based on your goals in life, and based on your risk tolerance. So just an example, I'm sure a lot of us have had a lot of pressure um, being pitched by friends or family, oh, this is like a great investment opportunity of a hot stock or virtual assets that, oh, you're going to double your money or like make 10 times of your money in a very short time. And you feel pressure, oh, is this something that, that I should think about? Um, if you're a person that's very risk taking and you have spare money that you don't mind taking on more risk, maybe this can be an investment that that's worthwhile for you to consider. But if you are some of my friends and family, especially older generation, their family obligation, um, this money is important. It's you have sort of obligations, whether it's mortgage or kids' education, you can't afford to, quote-unquote, gamble it away. Maybe that's not the best investment for you. So for others, uh, maybe you're very young, you don't mind sort of taking more risks. Yes, maybe those type of opportunities might be good opportunities for you to consider but for another person it might not be so um yeah it's a good question that that you asked this and just to wrap this up i'd like to use this uh, analogy which i think is quite interesting to to use is because i think in life the most important things are health and wealth if i'm sick i go to a doctor and the doctor actually would ask me questions before he prescribed medicines like he was like oh do you have any allergies what's your family history like takes your temperature your weight your height and the same sickness he might sort of give different medicines to different people but interestingly and in, in sort of personal finance, we, we don't really do that. We felt like, oh, there's only one best investment. But actually, if you put it back into that analogy I said about doctor prescribing medicine, it's very similar. It's uh, you might be trying to achieve the same goal and it can be of different medicine, different investment plans. But for different sickness, different, different sort of uh, uh, situations, you definitely have different kind of paths and medicines. And in our case, investment plan. So it's all about
1: setting your own personal goals and managing your risk profile. But I think before you start investing anywhere, you probably need to think about the parts you're talking about, about having something saved just in case things go wrong. So what would you say would be a sensible way to think about setting up a rainy day fund before you go ahead and make any further investments?
0: Yes. So this concept of rainy day fund, I think I can further break it down into two parts. So So first part is just any kind of sort of small unexpected expenses that might occur that you should save for. Maybe your car broke down; you have to fix it, or I don't know, your your rice cooker or your vacuum broke down; you need to fix it. So that's petty cash. But um, there is another concept which sometimes we also call as an emergency fund. It's in case of sort of more unexpected emergencies in life, whether it's in the unfortunate case of a job loss, you get laid off, or a sudden medical condition. And the general rule, if you are an individual, uh, don't have a lot of family obligations, maybe three to six months is a good buffer to save up for like three to six months of your monthly expenses just to to make sure you're okay. But if let's say you have a big family, you have a lot of dependents um, who rely on your income. um, I think most wealth advisors might even advise that maybe you can consider an even bigger sort of buffer nine to 12 months just to be safe. But again, going back to our our earlier question, it depends on your circumstance. If you're single and you don't have a lot of obligation three to six months definitely more than enough um, to get past um, sort of any short-term unexpected um, circumstances but if you have a big family a lot of dependents it, it might be worthwhile to think maybe a larger buffer works better.
1: Okay, so you have saved up your your emergency fund, your rainy day fund. Now you're thinking of looking into the wider market. What do you need to be aware of around the market environment? Obviously, at the moment, we have got things like high inflation, interest rates are are on the rise. And so that is impacting things like the equity market. What, What should people be bearing in
0: mind about that before jumping in? as we live in Hong Kong, which is an international financial center, we all feel like we're bombarded with financial news everywhere. Even you get on a cab, the cab driver has something to say about, oh, this stock went up, this stock went down. Market environment and sort of What's happening in the news are important. And from Endow's point of view, it's important because it drives the prices of asset classes. Um, we promote this concept of um, strategic asset allocation, which means that um, you, instead of picking stocks, you Put your money uh, sort of scientifically, uh, uh, sort of divide it into buckets, into different asset classes. And we pick sort of the best uh, top tier funds in each of the asset classes to complete your asset allocation. So going back to your question, um, it's important to consider um, the factors because what you mentioned last year, I'm sure some of us know commodities as as an asset class did very well because of geopolitical sort of events, while on the other hand, fixed income as an asset class class sort of underperform because the Fed hiked rates really, really fast. And it's important to understand how these markets would drive the performance of different asset classes so that you can think about how you allocate your bucket. But in terms of day-to-day, okay, which um, stocks I should pick within the asset class? From our point of view, my point, my, my firm's point of view, unless you're a professional and you have lots of time every day to read the financial news, um, you're welcome to do that. That. Um, but we would recommend if if you have sort of more other obligations that you prefer to spend time on whether it's with your family I like to play with my dog and my husband Um, then maybe after you you think about how the, the the markets drive the asset prices on the top sort of asset allocation level then you leave the individual stock picking part to fund managers and that's how big institutional investors such as endowment funds invest and I think It is sort of another kind of uh, methodology that people can consider, and it's the kind of investment uh, philosophy that we're promoting here.
1: Yeah, so it it seems like it's more consider having a a balanced portfolio across a range of asset classes rather than, oh, someone says this particular stock is doing brilliantly at the moment, so you must get in there and and, and buy it because they're going to be massive in future. Let's talk now about how your investment decisions change uh, over time and the amount of money you've got to spare increases. Because you earlier talked about how it's very much dependent on your obligations and your risk. But if if you've started investing and, and you're like, oh, well, actually, I've got some more free cash now you know maybe you've been lucky enough to have a good raise at work and you think how can I put
0: that cash to work a little bit better how do people how should people approach that so if you're in your 20s you're early on you don't have a lot of obligations you definitely can consider taking more risk um, based on, obviously based on your risk profile, then um, because if this money you, you're you just thinking is a long term investing pot of money, maybe you can consider putting it more in the stock market. But if sort of as you progress, as you age, and we kind of mentioned this, if you have more obligations, you have monthly cash flows, you have mortgages, then you probably would consider uh, pivoting your, your asset allocation to make sure that, um, your investment plan can support or sustain the, the cash flow needs that you have. And going to your point about how sort of making more money, uh, impacts your investment plan, having a a bigger part of money, it allows you to have more flexibility and more, more choices because I'm sure we've all heard of this sentence called, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you have more money, it just means if you want to balance out your portfolio, you can allocate more money into higher risk investments because even though these are higher risk investments uh, on an aggregate, even if, if it doesn't do very well in the short term or medium term, you're still fine because you have other parts of your portfolio that you've balanced out to be able to make sure that you don't deviate from your your trajectory. And having that sort of bigger pot of money to invest in uh, uh, other types of investment products that's historically maybe only reserved for the super rich or institutions, the likes of hedge funds, private equity, um, or even bonds, usually these have high minimums. It's a million US, 10 million US plus. If your net worth is only a million, I'm i I'm not going to advise you to put that one million into one single fund. So quite interestingly, a lot of fintechs, including my firm, have been leveraging technology to lower the threshold for more people to be able to get exposure to these kind of products. But again, it's all about in aggregate how much money you have, and you make sure that you diversify your risk. And by lowering the investment minimum, you can allow yourself to get a little bit of exposure to that where historically, if you don't have that much money and the investment minimum is too high, then probably doesn't make sense for you to do that.
1: Very interesting that uh, certain products are now becoming available to a wider range of investors. Now, we've run out of time for today, but I really appreciate you coming in. That was Stephanie Yuan, Managing Director and Head of Hong Kong at Endowis. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Carolyn.